And welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Heard. Tonight, tonight's the big night. Tonight is the 2019 National Championship, College Football National Championship game. And welcome in, everyone. Got another episode of the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hurd. Today, today's a very special day for me personally and for all all the uh, college football fans across the country. It's the college football national play, national championship game. Today, this 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 year, today, the culmination of a great season. We had three dominant superpowers this season. The LSU Tigers, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Clemson Tigers. Clemson defeated Ohio State in the first round. LSU defeated Oklahoma. Uh, And and now we will see the matchup of the remaining Titans. The Tigers versus the Tigers. LSU versus Clemson. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be very exciting. Can't wait. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, I wanted to do just a little little preview podcast before the game. Um, just talk about some of the... I, I, I'm very familiar with Clemson's team, so talk mostly about their side. But just give a little bit of a preview of the matchup. Uh, what maybe you would want to be looking at if you are more of a casual football fan just tuning in. Maybe a couple X factors as well. Uh, to start out, I I think we should you you got to start with the quarterbacks in this game. Obviously, I think anyone who follows any level of football, college or NFL, is going to be very familiar with both quarterbacks in this game. Uh, Clemson, led by sophomore, true sophomore Trevor Lawrence, led Clemson to a national championship last year. As a true freshman, this year he's looking to do it again. This is a this is a guy who I think a lot of people were very surprised to see his his running ability um, in in last week's well two weeks ago, the last game against Ohio State. It's not it's not a huge surprise to those of us who've sort of watched every game. Um, Trevor's always demonstrated that top end speed and obviously you know breaking the tackle sort of at high speed like that that's you know that's a little that that's it's a special move it's a special move um i am not particularly surprised though and again the fact that he runs a lot not surprising either um i would say for those of y'all who are familiar with it the game against ohio state actually reminded me a lot of deshaun watson's first college football playoff game, the 2015 semifinal versus the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, that ended up being like a 41-14 to 14 blowout or something. That was that was uh, Baker Mayfield's team the year before they went to, actually, I wonder if that was Baker's team. That may have been the year before Baker. Uh, point being, Deshaun ran for like 150 yards, threw for probably not even 200. He, he was going into the national championship game with all this discussion about 
his running and how he's like a running quarterback and how he's going to run and that's going to lead to their success. But the thing is, though, he was always like a great pocket-passing quarterback. He was very great at creating space in the pocket or getting out to either side and extending plays and then passing. But at the end of the day, he always was better as a passer. His, his run was a counter to the pass. But the pass was fundamental. Trevor, Trevor's kind of a similar player. You can tell Clemson, Dabo, the offensive staff, they're trying to hold him back from running as much as... Uh, and even Deshaun runs, I think, in my opinion, I'd have to go back and watch, um, probably runs a little bit more in the pros than he did at Clemson, um, just in terms of how much he's scrambling course how much of that is or at least was his offensive line the first couple of years I think that might be part of it uh better this year but obviously they had that devastating loss to the Chiefs last night I don't want to get I don't want to get in on that um but just sad to see too bad to see Deshaun going out yet again in the divisional round obviously he's young you know 23 or 24 years old or something he's got plenty of time but Especially for a guy like him, who I, I I hate to say, you know, it's just you always got it in the back. You need to cherish these guys while they're here, and it's important every year to try to make it because you never know when something might happen. Um, I mean, Joel Embiid is a guy in the NBA. I think we talk about, it, and I think a lot of Sixers fans are aware that like this guy is amazing. He's dominant. He's he's pretty young too. He should be going into the peak of his career. You just don't know, though, if he's just going to sustain a career-altering, devastating injury one of these days. Just, It's not just like the minutes he plays and the body type and the position he plays. It's the recklessness, the fearlessness with which they play. Recklessness has a negative connotation. Fearlessness with which these two guys play. They're similar in that. They just... They they want to sacrifice everything, and in the long term, it's not what's beneficial to them or their team. You know, it's not beneficial to the fans that want to see them play longer. But in the heat of the moment, that's you know, it's it's tough to not do it. And I think Deshaun's wired that way. Uh, I think Joel Embiid is wired that way. That's why he's always on the ground going for loose balls. Joel Embiid is on the ground so much. For like a seven foot two guy, he should not be on the ground that much. But he's just he is because he's Joel Embiid. He can't help himself. You know that's that's just how he is. Deshaun was always the same way. Trevor and Trevor is similar. Trevor is very similar. Those those I'm sure, I'm sure not a ton of people have been watching Clemson throughout this season. The uh, the 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 season opener this year. I actually it was on a Thursday. It was the opening of the ACC Network. So, not the first game because uh, Florida-Miami played the Week 0 game because of, I think, probably some weather that was coming in. But Clemson played, like, the second game of the year against Georgia Tech. And in that game, Trevor Lawrence threw an interception uh, near the end of the second half. Uh, around the, I want to say it was probably around midfield, um, maybe even a little bit further into Georgia Tech territory. Guy picked it off, had a clean run at the end zone. Um and Trevor Lawrence tracked him down and tackled him at, like, the three-yard line. 
so he didn't just track this guy down. He tracked him down 50 yards and tackled him in bounds. And Clemson held them to, I believe they held him to a field goal. Um, they, they certainly didn't score a touchdown, Georgia Tech. Which, again, this probably wasn't going to be, you know, a competitive game. It's not like this was the title wasn't on the line, but he can't help himself. Trevor Lawrence can't help himself. He's that type of competitor, just like Deshaun Watson, just like Joel Embiid, just like so many other of these guys that have won at the highest level. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Um, so, <laughs> this is probably a little unfair. I'm, I'm I, Again, I'm going to be talking mostly about the Clemson guys because that's what I know. The LSU guys, when I talk about the LSU guys, it's more just me trying to scout them a little bit, um, me trying to get an impression of their games. So I guess, if, actually, the way that probably would be best to do this is just me as a Clemson fan, what am I most scared of and what am I less worried about with LSU? Joe Burrow, um, I am worried about Joe Burrow. I do not, I am not excited to see Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is going to put up like, he could hit 400 yards in this game. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, they, LSU is just going to get some 40, 50 yard receiving plays. Uh, Edwards Elaire probably will have a pretty solid game. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's around a hundred yards, maybe a touchdown or whatever. Um, what's really going to be important is so Joe Burrow and this offense seem like they're incredibly potent getting these big explosive plays. And I'm going to be honest you know, we have guys like Tanner Muse. Like, Tanner Muse can get burnt. Nolan Turner, he can get burnt. Like, they have guys that can get burnt. What is going to be interesting is whether Clemson is able to, um, you know, weigh the pressure on the quarterback. So how many guys you're sending, how long you're, you know, how, how aggressively you're pursuing Joe Burrow before the pass and sacrificing the ability to recover from a blown coverage or a deep pass. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're going, so you can go one-on-one Tanner Muse with one of these receivers if you have to, you know, to get a blitz. But every once in a while, Joe Burrow's going to hit that guy. It might even be more, it's probably, you know, more often than not, Joe Burrow's going to hit that guy. Unless you get to him, Joe Burrow's probably going to hit that guy. So, I mean, that's tough. And unless you have... You know, a, a guy or two back there. You know, if they happen to run a, the right, the right, um, the right play, there could be no one else there, and it's just a, a, bro- a broken tackle or a blown coverage, and it's a touchdown. Easy. What Clemson is gonna have to really try to do is tackle short of the end zone. If you can give up those big plays, but then tackle at the 10, 15 yard line. We saw in the Ohio State game, Clemson held Ohio State to three straight field goals in the red zone. If they hadn't done that, it would have been a 28-0 game. Instead, it was a 16-0 game. That's a two-possession game. If you're kicking, uh, sorry, if you're doing two-point conversions instead of kicking. It's a two-possession game. That's four times that they scored, and it's only a two-possession game. If Clemson is able to hold LSU short of the end zone when they break off these big plays. Because it, it, it is when, it's not if. LSU is going to get some yards. Uh, I think Jefferson's probably going to get 12 catches this game. You know, I think 
Jamar Chase will probably have two like um, breakaway touchdowns. It's just gonna happen. LSU LSU's gonna put up thirty. LSU put up thirty points like this morning at breakfast. Okay, like they're just they're gonna score. It doesn't matter how good our defense is. Now I'll get into them. I think our defense is really good, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter because what you're doing as a defense is trying to make the offense be perfect. And if the offense less than offense is less than perfect, then you as a defense are able to either stop the offense or even more, uh, you know, even more favorably, you know, create a turnover or a favorable like a tackle for loss, a favorable play. The problem is LSU will play perfectly, like on a lot of snaps. Very often they're good at that. They won't do it every play. I'm sure they'll make mistakes, um, but it's very clear. I mean, Joe Burrow is completing close to 80% of his passes on, you know, in one of the most productive years in college football history. So it's, I mean, there's there's only so much you can really say about a guy that's putting up these kind of historical numbers because it's not, it's not historical. You know, so Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, those guys put up 70 plus completion. They weren't throwing for 5,000 plus yards though. And like NFL guys throw for 5,000 plus yards nowadays, like the really good ones, and they do it in 17 games. This dude, Joe Burrow, put up, I would assume it's not including the SEC championship. Maybe it is. So 12 or 13 games. Are you serious? 5,000 yards against SEC defenses for the most part, too. I mean, yeah. So, uh, look, uh, LSU's offense scares me, okay? LSU's offense scares me. So l- let me just finish talking about them because I-, I-, I don't know that much about their offense. Um, obviously, I watched the uh, most of the Oklahoma game, watched some of the Georgia game, although we actually went to the uh, Clemson versus Virginia ACC championship game, so I, I, was, um, I-, I wasn't able to watch the Georgia LSU game live. We just watched some of it on tape delay. In uh, the Alabama game as well, but you know, I think I think what you really take away from this is they just they have weapons everywhere. Um, all three of their receivers are over a thousand yards. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, Marshall and Chase are both true sophomores, both out of the eighteen class. Uh, Marshall was the thirteenth overall recruit. Jamar Chase, the 84th overall. Uh, and then you had Justin Jefferson, who's a junior, probably a redshirt as well, not ranked in the I, – actually, no, no, sorry, 2017 class. So he's a true junior, not ranked in his class. Now he's one of LSU's most productive players the last couple of years, uh, over 1,000 yards himself. I think he's more of a big-body guy. Jamar Chase is more of the burner. I don't really know anything about Terrence Marshall, to be honest. Um I mean, he's, 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 he's the least productive so far this season out of the three, you know, but I mean, he, he's got 12 touchdowns, you know, Chase and Jefferson both have 18 each actually. So I take it back. I just pulled up the stats. Um, Marshall only has 625 yards. So he's much less a part of the offense than I thought. Let me just read off these receiver stats. Jamar Chase, 75 receptions. 1,500 yards, 1,559, uh, so averaging about 20 yards a catch, 18 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 
102 receptions on the year. Uh, 1,434 yards, 14.1 average, 18 touchdowns. So much more of a possession receiver, sort of like I was thinking. Jamar Chase is your big player guy. Terrence Marshall, 43 catches, 625, uh, average of 14.5, 12 touchdowns. So, you know, he's clearly a big part of their uh, offense. But about, you know, I think that's probably over a fourth of, yeah, over a fourth of his catches or touchdowns. So that's clearly indicative of something. I would be interested to know whether he's more of a get-you-a-touchdown in the red zone or a big play, you know, score from the 50-yard line and then, you know, get a bunch of two-yard receptions to balance out your your average. I have a feeling that's more what he is, uh, just given the discussion I've heard around LSU's red zone offense. Their last guy, he's actually listed as a tight end. I think he's he's much more of a receiver, though. I don't think he blocks all that often. They actually have a fullback, Torrey Carter, uh, who, who I think is much more of a blocker. That is, Moss is indeed the son of Randy Moss. Um, he also had some choice words uh, regarding the Clemson defense a couple days ago regarding their uh, their stars said I think he said something like they they maybe have like maybe have a star they have like maybe one guy that stands out on defense uh, I assume he's referring to Nolan Turner because he's like small and white no probably probably referring to Isaiah Simmons maybe he's ref- maybe he's referring to Tyler Tyler Davis Tyler Davis certainly stands out he's large he's large large guy um, all in all Clyde Edwards Elaire actually let me hit on him. He is, he's a guy that seems just super versatile. He's like catching, actually, so yeah, his stats right here. He's got 50 receptions for 399 yards, only one touchdown, but, you know, 50 receptions on the year as opposed to 200 rushes. Like, that's that's a pretty substantial uh, number of his touches. Seems like a versatile guy, got good explosiveness. Um, I mean, he seems similar to, like, an ETN-level back. He's just sort of an all-around, sort of uh, fully developed, not fully developed, but de- skill-wise, like, sort of fleshed out his game. You know, ETN's got the passing ability. He can sit in and block if he needs to. He can run any type of run. It seems like uh, Edwards Elaire is a very similar type of rusher. Uh, so uh, uh, 200 rushes on the year, 199, actually, uh, <laughs> to be specific. 1,300 yards. So averaging 6.6 a a carry, uh, 16 touchdowns on the year. So pretty impressive numbers for him. All in all, their offense has been one of the most effective in the NCAA. Uh, they, they've actually totaled 564 yards per game, uh, which is a pretty outstanding number. Clemson has you know put up 538, so not too far behind, but. Um, when you look at LSU's 397 yards passing it per game versus Clemson 292 yards, I mean, three 400-yard passing games, that's an absurd number for a single game. To average that, that's, you know... It, it, I, I, I honestly, I didn't realize how historic the numbers that Joe Burrow and this offense were putting up uh, really were. Until this, you know, until after the Oklahoma and Ohio State games, I knew this was the matchup. I started really digging into their numbers. Man, these statistics are off the charts. Like it, it, they've, they've, 
they've put up numbers that are just ridiculous. I mean, Joe Burrow, five, 50, so Joe Burrow put up 5,200 yards, 55 touchdowns, six interceptions on like 78 completion percentage. That's literally, that's like, that's not just, that's maybe one of the greatest quarterbacking seasons ever, statistically at least. And I mean, he's playing against really good teams most nights, or at the very least, like talented defenses. It's 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 actually absurd. It's actually absurd. But you know, you know, Alabama was absurdly talented last year as well. Twenty sixteen, they were absurdly talented. Clemson's Clemson has managed to find a way. They sort of have they have something about them. Uh, I do want to mention Clyde edwards Elaire, the LSU running back, is probable listed as probable for the game. I would be very I'd be stunned if he's not playing. Uh, the majority of snaps, but he has been dealing with a hamstring injury. So similar to J.K. Dobbins in the the Ohio State game, you might want to watch for him uh, to possibly struggle with that injury uh, late through the game. be unfortunate, but it is certainly a concern, especially for something like a hamstring injury, which is one of the more tricky uh, injuries you can have, especially as a, you know, a running and cutting athlete such as a a running back would be. Uh, so I guess while I'm, you know, I've pretty much touched on the LSU offense, at least as much as I know about it. Um, obviously, they're a very explosive offense. Um, just they seem to have weapons everywhere, passing attack and with the run. You know, I think Joe Burrow is probably an incredibly tough guy. I, I don't really see a weakness, you know, there's no weakness presenting itself, that's for sure. Um, but I, I want to go ahead and talk about the Clemson defense and how they match up with this LSU offense. I think very clearly the first place you want to look at is the secondary. Clemson has been rated, uh, I think, by most you know advanced metrics as the best pass secondary uh, in college football, which is no is certainly a tall task. Uh, LSU, actually, I think a, a lot of people that talk about this game may actually have a more talented secondary, and I will talk about them when, after I talk about the Clemson offense, uh, or more, maybe I'll combine it, but they, they probably have more talent. I, I mean, if I'm being honest, like T- Tanner Muse, Nolan Turner, Kayvon Wallace, these are good players. They're very good college players. They're not NFL talents, per se, though. They're not NFL-caliber athletes. Um, you know, I think Kayvon's maybe borderline in that respect, and Tanner to an extent too. But you know, they they just they've been in Clemson's system for a long time. They know what they're doing. They work really well together. And Brent Venables, I mean, everyone talks about him all the time. And I got to imagine people, especially like you know, if you're on the West Coast, you know, really see Clemson, you're like, what? You know, it's he's a, he's a defensive coordinator. He's not even the head coach. How important could he really be? He's really important. He's, 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 he, the stuff he does with these players is incredible. He knows how to maximize everybody. He puts everyone in the situation they need to be in for Clemson's defense to be at its best. And for Clemson's defense to be at its best, each individual player has to be playing their best. So he puts all these players in those positions. The fact that he was able, able to take a five-star, uh, quarterback high school quarterback 
converted to a five-star wide receiver prospect and freshman receiver, uh, Darion Kendrick. It will take him after a year, uh, you know, playing substantial minutes as a receiver, his true freshman year at Clemson. Able to take him and turn him into a starting level cornerback in a single offseason's time. Darion, with two interceptions this year, 25 tackles, sorry, 36 total tackles, 25 solo tackles. And, and according to a stat I saw, has not allowed a receiving touchdown this entire season. I, I'm a little scared to jinx him now, honestly, but, you know, he's he's been phenomenal. And the fact that Brent Venables has been able to put him in the, you know, right type of matchups and call the right type of schemes and coverages um, to cover for his deficiencies. I mean, he's just not, his deficiencies being he's not a cornerback. Like, he played quarterback, QB, not CB, all of high school. He never played receiver in you know, he, he didn't really know how to play receiver, which if you're a receiver and you convert to cornerback, I can see it a little bit. You know how to run, run the routes, but it, it's just, it's a it's a pretty impressive transition they've made. Obviously, you, you can tell Venables has simplified. So I think what Darion's doing is more simple than what A.J. Terrell is doing because A.J. Terrell's been there for three years. He's been starting for two years. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's not going to mess up. Darion, if you put him in a difficult situation where he's making tough decisions, he might mess up. He might not. He might, though. So why not just limit it? Um, uh, obviously, when you talk about this defense, you probably start with the superstar. Uh, though, when you watch the games, I wouldn't really say he, you know, always pops off the screen as a superstar. He's, it, especially, I think, you know, the announcer's, you watch an Ohio State game, every couple of plays when Ohio State's on defense, there's a Chase Young close-up, and they're putting him out, and they're commenting on what he's going to do. It's not really like that with Isaiah Simmons. And I think a lot of that is because he plays a lot of coverage. He's in the secondary a lot. He's off the screen. He's not. You can't circle him with a little yellow Sharpie if you're the TV uh, commentator. Um, he has had a pretty phenomenal year this year. Only seven sacks which I think a lot of people see that number and they're disappointed. I honestly, I would love to see that number be higher. But it's just, it's, it's not what's best for the team. Um, they, have, they have more guys that can rush the passer. What they don't have is a 6'4", maybe a 6'5 guy who looks like he maybe has a 6'8 wingspan, maybe even longer. I wouldn't be shocked. I, w- I wish they did those measurements, but he's got like, like, for y'all basketball fans listening, he's got, like, a plus three or four wingspan at least, Isaiah Simmons does. To have that guy with, like, who's, by the way, a guy who reportedly at the very least tied or maybe beat Travis Etienne, who uh, we'll talk about later, in a, like, foot race, a 40-yard race. That guy at 6'4 with 6'10 wingspan covering your best receiver yeah, you just you can't you can't have that guy go rush the passer. You can't have him rush the passer all the time. He needs to go cover, especially when our other cover guys like our cornerbacks are good. But I mean, Kayvon Wallace is not a coverage safety. He's not at all a coverage safety. Tanner Muse is not a coverage safety. Nolan Turner is maybe maybe our best coverage safety um, outside of Isaiah Simmons. It, it, 
I mean, it's just, it's tough. So you got to put Isaiah in coverage a lot. I mean, you see, he's got, you know, he's got those six passes deflected, and that's not a ton, but, you know, no, no defenders on great teams are putting up 30 pass deflected. I don't think anyone is. It'd be, if, so if they pass it to you to the point where you're getting 30 pass deflections, they probably don't respect you as a defender, and they're probably completing a lot of the other passes that you're not deflecting. You're probably going for way too many deflections. You know, I mean, he's got, you know, three interceptions, two forced fumbles. Uh, it's 14.5, so 14 and a half uh, tackles for a loss on the year Isaiah Simmons has. Uh, and 61 solo tackles, 36 assisted tackles, so 97 total. He's got good numbers, but they're not, they don't scream top 10, top 5 even pick. He's, he's clearly that level of player, though. Just, he is, so I think, you know, when you, when you, Think about um, an arch. You have an arch. It, it, you have the ground pieces. You know, you build up 12 on each side, 12 on each side, whatever. You get up to the top. You need that key, the keystone, to drop in the middle that you that fits in perfectly. And Because with an arch, you have both sides are pressing at each other. So if both sides are pressing at each other and the keystone is loose, or it's not there, both sides are just going to collapse in. But when you insert that keystone, everything falls into place around it. You have perfect cohesion. And perfect cohesion may be a bit of a, an exaggeration for Clemson's defense, but Isaiah Simmons is absolutely that keystone. If they lost Isaiah Simmons, God forbid, they wouldn't, they would be like a, a a mediocre pass defense. Maybe. If they just would not, they would they would struggle. They would struggle so much. Um, I, I, they would not be in the playoffs, that's for sure. If they had made it by some miracle, they would have lost last game. You know, Isaiah Simmons made that interception near the end of the game that was very critical to that win. Uh, let me talk about the other players. I don't want to focus too much just on the one guy, though. He is... And I cannot overemphasize, he is by far the most important player on our defense. And he does so much. He's, he's, I, I listed him like on my little visualization, which I hope y'all checked out, um, as a linebacker slash safety. He's like a defensive end slash linebacker slash safety. Like he, he's, he could be like a legit linebacker slash defensive end, I believe. Like he's that level of pass rusher. I think you would probably put him. What you would do is he'd be more like uh, he'd be more like for LSU uh, uh, Chison Kalevon uh, Chison I haven't heard his name pronounced actually, uh, <laughs> but he'd be more like that type of player where he's a where he's an outside linebacker but he rushes very often and that's where he is you know that's where he's disruptive but he's also you know tackling on the run he's also tackling in space he's also covering occasionally Isaiah Simmons is just so much more versatile with what he does. Um, that you can't have him rush the pass every time. Because, again, if you're Clemson or if you're LSU, you have these guys that, you know, just put in Justin Foster, you can rush the passer. Put in Xavier Thomas, and he'll rush the passer. Put in Jordan Williams to rush the passer. Like, put in Justin Maskell to rush the passer. You don't need to have Isaiah Simmons rush the passer. You need him in coverage. That's where you need him. You'd like him to rush the passer, you could have two Isaiah Simmons. One would rush the passer, one would cover. 
Although occasionally you probably have both covers sometimes. And knowing Brent Venables, occasionally both are Blitz, which should be, you know, rated R in theaters. Um, yeah, let me talk about some of the other players on this defense. So, obviously, I've talked a lot about the past defense. I want to talk some about that front four, which is actually more of front three for Clemson this year. So anyone that's, uh, you know, follower of Clemson football, or not Clemson football, college football in general, uh, probably knows about the Clemson defensive line from the last few years. Uh, they were obviously there in 16 and in 18. That is Austin Bryant and Cleland Farrell at defensive ends. And inside, you've got Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. Uh, three of those guys, Cleland Farrell, Wilkins, and Dexter were first-round picks. Uh, Cleveland was number four overall to the Raiders. Wilkins was like 13, 14, something to the Dolphins. And Dex was either 19 or 21 to the Giants. Uh, and Austin Bryant was a mid-high second-round pick to the Lions. Um, those four guys anchored Clemson's defense in a way that, I, I again, I love Clemson's secondary this year. It is not the same. Clemson's front four the last few years has been one of the most amazing lines probably in the history of the sport. I mean, we'll see how they go to play go on to play in the NFL, but talent-wise, I don't think we've ever really seen anything like it. I mean, when Austin Bryant is your worst player, you're doing something very, very, very right. Uh, so, and those guys, I'm sure most people, again, if you follow college football, you probably know the story, but those guys were just, just they, I, I, clearly they loved Clemson, they loved playing here. After the 2017 season, they decided to come back, uh, all three of Cleland, of Christian uh, Cleland and, and uh, Bryant decided to come back their senior years and play again and Dex was there Dex was a rising junior so you know he, he had to come back and play but those guys came back and played in 2018 and uh, obviously the offense was great with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross and T and Hunter Renfro um, but it, it was the defense that just anchored our team and it was the front line that you know anchored the defense this year we've gone a different route to try to replace those guys. We've gone to a three-man front. Uh, Tyler Davis is our defensive tackle, or our nose tackle. Not really a nose tackle, I don't think, conventionally, because we almost always have, um, you know, I mean, we, we have guys rushing all the time. It's it's. I don't think it's generally um, a balanced line. Um uh, but on the other sides, so you got Tyler Davis in the middle, who a true freshman, by the way, out of Florida, only a four-star, but has started from the beginning of the season. He's been very impressive. He's, you know, a big guy, maybe six foot six one, not tall, but you know, thick, probably two hundred ninety pounds. Not not massive though. But again, not a nose tackle. He's a defensive tackle to be certain. Uh, good in open space though. Like he will run and track down guys on screens and whatnot. He's quick and mobile and just very smart picked up obviously Brent Venable's very complex defense and, and yeah he's just plugging the run for the most part of the D tackle but 
you can tell he gets what his role is and what he's doing on defense and what the defense is doing around him. So he's been awesome. But uh, on the sides of him, usually on the left, you got the you know guy who was a number one overall recruit in 2018 by some people. Actually, you know, he, he was probably by the end, no, he was not a number one recruit by anybody because uh, the two quarterbacks, Trevor and Justin Fields, but outside of those two guys, he was the number one recruit, pretty much consensus. Uh, Xavier Thomas, the defensive end, played at IMG, but uh, was originally from South Carolina and decided to come back in state, play at Clemson. Had somewhat of a disappointing year this year. Um, he's been injured. He, he was injured for a few games. It was like concussion symptoms. He's in the protocol. It's a little weird. Um, but again, this was like midway through the season into later in the year. So, I, you know, after the North Carolina game, they were just stopping people by 40, 50 points. Um, There's just no reason to bring him back. It was a little weird. It was a little weird. Um, but... I mean, he's he's just a, a dominant athlete. A you hope you hope in a single game he just brings everything he's got and just he wreaks havoc uh, on his side of the line. Um, he has the potential to do that. Only twenty five tackles this year. You know, he just hasn't played that much. Um, he's you know got a sack and a half, but eight eight tackles for loss. Um, we'll just have to see with him. I think he's a guy you could see easily he could get three sacks this game. You know, he could just he could just figure it out and work one of these guys. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough, and I'm sure LSU's line is really good. You don't get to the national championship game without a really, really good offensive line, but we'll see. He has the potential to do really well. He has the potential to let the team down, too. Uh, he's certainly someone I would mark as an X-factor, Xavier Thomas on that defense. On the other side, you've got usually uh, it's either one of uh, Logan Rudolph, who is a four-star out of Rock Hill. His brother, many of y'all may know, Mason Rudolph, plays for the Steelers uh, quarterback. He was the one in that incident with uh, uh, with Miles Garrett earlier in the year. Probably not going to go into that. Uh, shocker. Uh, but usually you'll have him or you'll have Justin Foster. Justin Foster is a guy who's really come on uh, later in the year. He had, I think, two sacks, two and a half maybe in the Louisville game and had a couple really impressive pressures last game against Ohio State. Uh, got definitely some pressure on fields, maybe hit him a couple of times. Uh, don't know if he ever got any sacks last game. I can't quite remember, but... Yeah, 33 tackles on the year, but 3.5 sacks, 10.5 tackles for loss as a guy that's, you know, playing a decent bit, but he's a rotation guy in the uh, in the defensive line. He just, he makes some really impressive plays sometimes. I mean, he, you can tell he's just, he's a powerful athlete. He's a powerful athlete. I don't think he has that many moves, but when he gets one of his moves working, you're just not really going to stop him. You're just going to have to try to delay him. Uh, so I I would look for him to be playing most of this game. I think I think for the most part it's going to be Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis, Justin Foster. I don't think Logan Real is going to get as much run this game. Uh, as for the linebackers, it's James Skalski and Chad Smith. 
those are the two guys because you have a. Uh, Isaiah, obviously, I mentioned he's usually like I think you'd probably say "quote unquote" linebacker. Those two guys, though, are the ones really serving the linebacker tasks. You know, they're they're, they're like inside linebackers. They're going in plugging holes. You know, Skalski is like the middle linebacker. He's the shot caller. Uh, he's gotten some, you know, some impressive rushes on the quarterback this year. Two and a half sacks, but um, I'd say he's got more pressures than that accounts for. I like those two guys. They're both solid. Chad Smith's actually got three and a half sacks. I think a couple of those may have been, you know, he just kind of was the right place, right time. But, I mean, they're both, Chad Smith's a five-year, Skalski's a senior. They both just know what they're doing. And Skalski is actually a really good athlete. I didn't really realize it, but he's had a couple of flashes where he's like, whoa, this guy can move. Um, both, you know, Skalski, 85 tackles on the year. Chad Smith, 75. These guys are just, they're solid. Um, if they get matched up with receivers in coverage, they're going to lose pretty often. They they might break. They might you know give up a couple broken tackles to Edwards Alaire. They might miss a couple tackles on the receivers. But all in all, they're going to be really solid. They're going to plug holes and they're going to make tackles. And if they get free lanes of the quarterback, hopefully they'll be able to put a hit. Joe Burrow's less mobile than Justin Fields to be sure. Um, we'll see. You know, these guys, they're not the most dependable, you know, getting the quarterback down in the backfield, but they, they've done it. They've done they've done it. Um, they've got the ability. They just got to execute. And, I, I mean, I'm certainly optimistic that they will. Uh, I want to talk, though, about the secondary. Um, the secondary, so the cornerbacks, obviously, A.J. Terrell is the, the junior, he's been there. He's very experienced. He's just incredibly reliable. He just doesn't really get thrown to. You know, guys guys don't, quarterbacks don't throw to AJ's side that often. Um, so usually what they're trying to do is throw against Darion. I already talked about Darion. Um, you know, he's uh, he was a five-star. He's, he's, he's a really amazing athlete. Super cocky, but in a good way. Well, good way because he's on my team. <laughs> uh, but he's... I mean, he's just, he has that cornerback swagger that, you know, that's what you need. He's got that wide receiver swag. He just converted to cornerback, and now he's got it there. I think he just tries to run the route better than the guy. Um, I'd love to see him, you know, obviously he had the one pick that ended up being a penalty uh, in the Ohio State game. Love to see him try to get his hands on a ball. You hope, though, that he can avoid the mistakes because... You know, we always see it. It seems like every important game, Darion just has to put the ball on the ground. He does a lot of uh, Darion's in the return game a decent bit for Clemson. You know, we saw it last year in the Notre Dame game. He had one where he put it on the ground. I think, I'm pretty sure he didn't have an Ohio State. Maybe in the Virginia game, he put one on the ground. He's just susceptible to getting caught up in the moment. You really, really hope that doesn't happen. Um... Yeah. The last guys, so the safeties, sort of, they start, it's pretty much a starting three uh, of safeties of Kayvon Wallace, a, a no-star, you know, non-ranked guy out of Virginia, who he's just, he, he's he's more a uh, possible NFL athlete. Him and, uh, him and Tanner Muse are actually pretty similar. Kayvon's got terrible hands, unfortunately. He drops a lot of could be picks. Although, although to be honest, Tanner Muse's picks have mostly been like incredibly easy. They've kind of just fallen to him. They're not really skill picks. 
Um, Kayvon does have two on the year. Tanner Muse has four, which I think is why he's like all all American second team. He should not be. Tanner Muse is not the second best safety on. He's not the second best safety in the ACC. Like it's it's not. It's not really, um, it's kind of a joke that that, that that happened. That was kind of unfortunate to see. Um, but at the same time, though, I think these guys, uh, and, and so I mentioned Kayvon, Tanner Muse, those are more your athletic, you know, they're, they're not really coverage guys. Kayvon, I trust more in coverage. Tanner Muse, I trust more, you know, in, in zone, I guess. Kayvon more is like, uh, so I guess what I would say is Tanner, I trust more dropping back, coming up and tackling. Um, Kayvon, I trust more actually guarding a guy in coverage. Um, <laughs> take that as you will. Uh, but the third guy, Nolan Turner, he's a third starter as a safety, and he is more of just a – he's like a small guy. He was not really recruited out of high school either. Uh, he had the opportunity to be a walk-on either Alabama or Clemson. In about a week, uh, sorry, about a day, I think it was probably the day after the national championship game uh, at Clemson, you had a bunch of the guys in their secondary, TJ Green, and this was a 2016 national championship, by the way, TJ Green, J. Ron Curse, um, I, don't, I don't remember, I don't want to say their names, but there were, there were a bunch of guys that were leaving for the NFL. So Clemson had to put together this last-minute recruiting class. So they went together and picked up in the secondary. Well, they got... Second round pick last year, Trayvon Mullen, who's now with the Raiders, uh, a cornerback who was starting for us the last couple of years. They got Kayvon Wallace, who's now a starter at safety. They got Isaiah Simmons, this little three-star recruit out of Kansas, who's pretty good. Um, and they also picked up they picked up Nolan Turner, who they they decided to offer him a scholarship um, with you know like a couple weeks left uh, before signing period. He I was very happy to accept, came here, and now he's a starter. Last year in the Notre Dame game, he had a very big interceptions. He was already starting to get in the rotation, but this year he's been soundly in the rotation, 38 tackles on the year, uh, but seven passes deflected. He's just, he's probably going to be one of the worst athletes on the field, if we're being honest, but it's not by much, and he can make up for it um, because Look, he's just a solid player. He's a solid player, and Brent Venables is going to put him in the right schemes. Um, if he gets matched up on receivers, uh, and if Joe Burrow makes great passes, he might get burnt. But Nolan Turner is going to make you work for it. These safeties are going to make you work for it. You're going to have to play a perfect game. Not a perfect game. You're going to have to play close to a perfect game, though, to beat these, these guys, the secondary, this team overall. Um, and that's that's really what it comes down to. Uh, I want to cap it out talking a little bit more about the Clemson offense. Uh, obviously, I talked about Trevor already. You know, he's he's fantastic. Uh, but obviously, quarterback is not going to do a whole lot without some offensive weapons. So, who's he have? Well, T. Higgins got a thousand yards on the season, fifty-six receptions. So he's putting up twenty yards. Uh, on average per catch, so similar to Jamar Chase's numbers on LSU in terms of yards per catch. Fewer yards, though, um, than either of those two top receivers. So interesting to note. Um, but but T has been really good this year. He's just such a good 
God, he's got such great hands. He will catch anything, it seems like. His route running is solid. These guys were really held down in the Ohio State game, though. The other guy, Justin Ross, across from him. Um, obviously, Ross had to play some time uh, a little out of position, filling in for T. But at the same time, you know, he looked shaky. I, I think both of those guys were suffering from injury stuff. Uh, both are supposedly going to be okay for this game. But, um, you know, again, it's it's worth knowing. It's worth being aware of the injury stuff, not just because, yes, they had an injury and are they going to play in the game, but if you play in the game and you had an injury, it's still there. Uh, and in the second quarter, if someone hits you in the place where you had the injury, you might re-aggravate it. So that's why you got to note these injuries. Um, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, though, just big-body guys who are just able to make spectacular catches and take it to the house, especially Justin Ross will... He's, he's a guy that can score a touchdown anytime he catches the ball. Um, DeAndre Overton is like our third receiving receiver. He's only got – so our, our receivers, we got Justin Ross with 61 receptions, T. Higgins with 56, and then it's Overton with 22, uh, Joe Nada with 17. Where's – sorry, where's Amari Rogers in this? Amari, uh, so Amari Rogers has 28. Travis Etienne actually has 32. Um, but I mean, other than that, like guys just are not getting any receptions, you know, you know, it's just a very, the offense is distributed out a lot. Um, and they have Travis Etienne has 1500 yards on the season rushing. Lynn J. Dixon has 600 yards on the season, the backup rushing, uh, running back. Trevor Lawrence has 500 yards rushing. Oh, not to mention Ches Malusi, 270 yards, uh, 150 Mikey Dukes. 135 to Darian Rencher. Chase Bryce has 990, uh, sorry, 94 yards. They just, they run so many of these like backups so constantly. They just don't really have the snaps to run the, 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 uh, the stats up for these receivers. So I think you'll see the big guys will be very important. But what's most important, I think, for this game and probably the biggest X factor for Clemson's offense, Amari Rodgers. About 5'9", 5'10". Uh, explosive, quick, you know, quick twitch athlete over the middle, son of Tennessee legendary quarterback T. Martin. I'm sure um, Tennessee fans have been really happy to see the recent like reporting that's come out. Um, I think like it was like at a press conference in Baton Rouge. Etn mentioned growing up he was a Tennessee fan, so this was like the fourth reported guy out of obviously uh, Amari. His dad went there. Uh, T. Higgins, who was actually named after T. Martin and grew up in Tennessee, was initially committed to Tennessee. Um, you have those three guys, but then also Trevor Lawrence grew up a, a Tennessee fan. So there's been like articles on like what if. Uh, I don't even think. I don't even think. I certainly don't want to consider that. Uh, so I'm gonna move on and talk about Amari Rogers, the player, because that's what's more interesting. This is a guy I think should be considered. Uh, a second or third round pick in this upcoming NFL draft. He just he will get you touchdowns. He'll get he's he's gonna break away um, if you get him the ball in space. So he will be their target over the middle. If they can get him the ball in space, he's gonna he's gonna do damage. Um, but you know he has not been able to do that in that many games. And again he you know this is a crowded back. Um, it's a, it's a crowded receiving core. It's a crowded team in general with all the weapons they have, but 
you got to see it materialize before you can really count on it. Um, the last one on the offense in terms of the skill players you want to talk about, Etienne, <laughs> Travis Etienne. I mean, he's he's maybe he's one of the best college football players there is right now. You know, there's been talk. Uh, I think Dabo's done sort of the same thing he did with um, uh, with Deshaun, saying you're gonna, you're passing on Michael Jordan. He's talked up Etienne as a future NFL. MVP guy, like an NFL Hall of Fame guy. Dude, ETN is one of the most incredible athletes I've ever seen. And I've seen, you know, a lot of Clemson play. And I've seen, obviously, I've seen Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson's a different caliber of athlete than anyone I've ever seen. But, man, when ETN gets the ball and he starts going out the middle, it's 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 kind of similar to Lamar Jackson. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I think Lamar Jackson and ETN in the open field are very comparable players. So, yeah, just imagine that. Imagine Lamar Jackson is their running back. Again, he's not quite Lamar Jackson, but in terms of, like, his ability to play quarterback, number one. But then just, like, his, you know, I think I think Lamar's got a little more creativity, a little more flair just with the way he plays. ETN is much more – man, ETN will get downfield. Like, he does not go side to side very often. Um, and the thing is, he does, he's not – He's not going to try to put, like, a crafty move on you. He will just, like, bump into you and keep going. He just breaks tackles. He breaks so many tackles. Um, so is this LSU front going to let him into the secondary time after time? If he keeps breaking into the secondary, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to beat Clemson because if they can keep running the ball, you know, they, there's, there's only so many possessions LSU is going to have well, if LSU manages, or if Clemson's defense manages to shut him down on a couple possessions, and if ETN's just gashing LSU, and, you know, Clemson scores on, like, so let's say Clemson only has four possessions in the first half, and LSU only has four as well. Clemson gets a couple of stops. Maybe it's, you know, like a lucky red zone stop, and they get a field goal, but Clemson scores on three of their possessions, and LSU only scores touchdown on one, a field goal on one. Well, it's a 21-10 game, and that's... Really, that's that's tough to come back from in the second half, especially if you're trying to go up against this Clemson team, which has played a lot of big-time games, and they are not going to let up. They're not going to let up, that's for sure. I mean, we saw with Kansas City, you know, teams can come back in a hurry if they are explosive offenses, and we know LSU is. But I would say the one thing, if I was going to point out a possible concern for LSU's offense, I don't know that they've ever been rushed this year. I don't know that Joe Burrow's ever had to run the two-minute offense, you know, in a situation where his season was on the line. And if that comes in in the national championship in his fifth year in college, will he be able to capitalize? Will he be able to score and win them a championship if that's what it takes? I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. But it's possible he won't. Um, and it's possible that Clemson will put him in a position that he can't make that, can't make that happen. Uh, all in all, though, I think this is going to be a, I mean, it's going to, it's, it's, God, it should just be such a great game. Um, it should be a high-scoring game. I think one thing that will be obvious, uh, you're not going to know who's going to win in the first 15 minutes. Uh, in the first run, the team that goes on the first run is not guaranteed to win either. There's probably going to be three or four runs in this game of, you know, a touchdown, a field goal, or two touchdowns, or even three touchdowns. You know, these teams are going to score. And the thing is, I think they're not just going to score, but I think they'll generate a couple turnovers and they'll go on runs. And, you know, like these 
I think the defenses are good enough. So the thing you look at, you know, offenses can get, be as good as you want, um, but they're never going to be perfect. So how how um, how good is the defense at putting the offense in situations where mistakes uh, are likely to be made? And I think both of these defenses, especially with LSU secondary, they are going to be very good at putting you in those precarious situations where mistakes are, you know, likely or at the very least, uh, there's, you know, a, a reasonable chance of them occurring. So, you know, Trevor and Joe Burrow could both have big games. I would not be surprised if they both have over 300 passing yards, uh, a few touchdowns. They could absolutely both throw a pick or two as well, though. I think that's the sort of game we're talking about. I think it'll be more... I think there's going to be a ton of action. There's going to be a lot of action. It's going to be super exciting. That's what I think. I think you'll have breakaway plays. I think you'll have red zone defense. I think you'll have probably some trickery. Um, Clemson loves to do... They'll always do like a couple weird trick things. They're not necessarily like... It's not like they're going to do a fake field goal on fourth down at their own 30, but fake punt at their own 30. Probably not a fake field goal at their own 30 either. Probably not, but... But, you know, they do, like, the little, they'll do an Amari Rogers pass, or they'll do a flea flicker, they'll do, they'll just, they'll do stuff like that. They like to keep it, they like to spice things up, you know. They'll put John Simpson in to run the ball in from a yard out, you know. Keep keep it, keep it fun. Um, I, I, I just, I think anyone that is saying that they know how this game is going to go is lying. Um, because the only way you're going to know is once we see it. I think this is a 50-50 game, you know, as much as 50-50 games come. And I think it's not just that, but it's a game in which each team has so many ways in which they could win and so many ways in which they could struggle that, like, this game could go 500 different ways. It's not like there's only a few different ways it could go. This game could go so many numbers of different ways that it's impossible to predict. All you can do is sort of... Um, you know, f- figure out where the paths are and sort of glance down them and see what you could be in store for. Uh, and I think we're going to be in store for a great game. That's what I think. Uh, I've, I've been going for long enough. I think I've touched most of the big stuff. You know, it's going to be an awesome game. I can't wait to see it. And the dog is getting restless, so I think he's calling it. I think he's calling it a podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, I'll probably be back talking some NBA, I would assume, later this week. I uh, just wanted to get this one out there because I had to have the game on my mind. Um, yeah, thanks to all for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe if you want to listen to more episodes in the future. Uh, and leave a rating review if you enjoyed. Uh, peace, y'all. Thanks for tuning in.